Welcome to The Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number one, Who is the Christian Atheist? I am your host, John Wise. I'm a professor of philosophy, and for 25 years, I denied God a place in my reality. In 2019, I passed through the looking glass into a realm richer, far more complex and coherent, lit by transcendent value. I am now a follower of Christ. I am married to the love of my life, someone I believed impossible. Jenny was my portal back to Christ. Our story is one over which I marvel and for which I thank God each and every day. She is the incarnation of an ideal for me, an embodied reflection of a transcendent reality, a mirror in which Christ again became clear. The story of my turn to Christ is dramatic, filled to the brim with the miraculous. It had to be, as any path back to God was impossible for me. There was no place for the supernatural in my worldview anymore. For now, let me simply relate an outline of the moment of transposition in July of 2019. An atheist, I stood before a mirror in which my self-image and the reality of the world had been settled for two decades. God was no longer a part of my thought processes, being utterly unnecessary to make sense of the world and my experience in it. After the personal events of the first half of 2019, however, I was no longer settled in that reflection. The atheist image had altered. My carefully laid out arguments, my faith that God did not exist, had been devastated by an unexpected, sudden, and disconcerting series of events and self-discoveries. On one side of the looking glass, I was an atheist, but on the other? I recognized my image in that mirror, but for the first time in 25 years was uncertain which side was reflection and which side was reality. Could I again believe in God? Nothing separated me from my reflection. I was or had been both theist and atheist, and neither. I faced, again, a choice. On which side of the looking glass would I stand? This neutral ground, this wood between the worlds, was not unfamiliar territory for me. I had stood here 25 years ago when I chose to overturn my entire existence by abandoning my Christian faith, which I could no longer intellectually maintain. The whole point, then, was to find a stable truth upon which to depend. I turned from theism to atheism because I believed, yes, believed, we should note the irony here, even if I didn't appreciate it at the time, that faith was no longer rationally sustainable. Now, on one side of the mirror, as an atheist, I had profound doubts about God's existence. But on the other side, those doubts became fascinating problems, 
in a more expansive, complex, and life-affirming view, a worldview about which I had systematically lied to myself, I recently discovered, for a quarter century. When I finally stepped through that mirror, transposing atheism for theism, all my doubts and arguments came with me. I was not, and am not, indeed no human being is, a blank slate. The skepticism that drove my atheism is still a voice on this side, still a tool in my tool chest, and God remains a puzzle, a problem for me. He remains an enigma, a transcendence that escapes me on every side. I know him as he who remains unknowable, whose thoughts are not my thoughts, whose ways are not my ways. My knowledge, then, is ignorance. The ground on which I now stand, faith in Christ, is settled for me. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But this grounding is not unique. Everyone starts in faith. You have no choice in the matter, but what or who you choose to believe in forms the basis of your existence. Faith rules on both sides of the looking glass. It was the French atheistic existentialist Jean-Paul Sartre who taught me that lesson. We can be honest about our faith, or we can attempt to hide it from ourselves, represent it to ourselves and others as something other than faith. Faith, not knowledge, is the proper epistemic attitude toward the transcendent. As transcendent, as unknowable, we must approach him as an asymptotic ideal, with an openness to correction, to admiration, to worship as our highest aspiration, but with fear and trembling, lest we presume too much. I represent this transposition of reflection and reality as though I had a choice. In fact, I don't know that I did. That moment of decision might just as well have been an acknowledgement of a fate accompli. If I am overly cryptic here, my apologies. I simply do not know enough about myself to draw the conclusion. I experienced both a rational compulsion and a free choice in this matter. I chose Christ because I had to. The language is paradoxical because the experience was paradoxical. It was truth and reason that compelled my turn to Christ. I saw no way around them, but at the same time, I knew I was free to accept or reject both reason and truth, to go my own way. I happily chose Christ. My Christian atheist experience offers a unique perspective on the world, on reason and faith. I will seek truth and let the chips fall where they may. I am not looking to please the church or those who attack it, and I am not seeking to promote any political ideology, left, right, conservative, or radical. If I make no friends on any side, God has placed me here and now, and I wish only to please Him. I explicitly disavow ideology, along with atheism. 
I am a lover of science. All that has, it has discovered and the stories that it tells. I believe the universe is probably 13.8 billion years old, as cosmologists tell us, not 6,000 as young earth creationists assert. I do not claim to know how humans arrived on this earth. But I am inclined to believe that evolution is the best answer we've given so far, and for me it rings true with my understanding of God. Scientific accounts are compelling and evidence-driven, tested in the crucible of the real, and Christian faith does not prevent either the search for or the acceptance of scientific answers. Neither does science prevent me from discovering and reveling in the truths of the Bible and Christ. Although it is often ridiculed, Christianity's capacity to incorporate new knowledge, to rise above the criticisms, both fair and unfair, leveled against it by those who seek its destruction, to continue to offer hope and truth for living in a world hostile to it, guidance towards light in a world of darkness, seems to me to provide evidence of a strength and value, a truth in its core. I sometimes wonder, though, if other Christians read the same Bible I do. I am at times puzzled and troubled by Scripture. I am often ill at ease with the explanations offered to explain away thorny issues. I do not intend to shy away from those issues here, but to face them head on. Nor am I always content with the Christian Church, as it has played its role on earth. For instance, why does today's Church capitulate in the trend to emasculate our men? Jesus was a man par excellence, strong, decisive, dominant, and self-assured, and often not nice. I love Christ, as he seldom fits any of the conventional boxes in which we try to place him. As the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, as the eternal Word of God by whom all things were made, he represents the fusion of reason and faith, the archetypal model by which we may both see and understand our world, its true light. I have far more questions, though, than I have answers. I am, after all, a philosophy professor. I believe we can learn more from proper questioning than we do from merely accepting the answers readily available to us. Dogma can be both safe haven and oppressive stultification. God's wisdom mediates the two. Scripture is both the law and the prophets. The paradoxical, the difficult, the unresolved, and, yes, the magical, the beautiful, and the inspiring. These are what fascinate and drive me. Thought, rationality, questioning with a true openness to truth, and attempts to answer, to understand, seem to me God's purpose for those who are created in His image. Not only do I think it proper to engage in rational speculation, in open wonder and doubt, but I think that God delights in it, even if there is some danger in doing so. We are called to adventure. Psychology, art, history, mythology, literature, all of humanity's profound narratives speak to and must inform our understanding of the world. 
God's inspiration, his revelation, is not limited to holy writ. The great error of Satan, the father of lies, was intellectual arrogance. This arrogance drove my own quarter century of atheism. The two archetypal pathways, that of Cain and that of Abel, are always open to us. Which we choose, and that we can choose, says much about our relation to truth, about the divine spark that glows in every human being. Socrates taught that acknowledging our ignorance, recognizing our fundamental human limitations, was the only foundation on which to build a meaningful life, and the honest pursuit of truth its surest path. What is truth? Pontius Pilate famously asked Jesus. For a quarter of a century of atheism, I believed that I could grasp the answer to that question, that I could hold it, examine it, explain it to others. But like Pilate, I had not even understood the question. Truth is not a series of propositions, but a person, a relationship, a structure upon which life can be successfully, fruitfully lived, a unity of the human and the divine, of being and becoming, of the real and the ideal. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. It was he that I found on the other side of the looking glass, the paradoxical incarnate word of God, and he is the one non-negotiable for me. Everything else is an open question. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be Christian.